Happy New Year. Welcome back to Play Games, Lose Friends. This is episode seven. It is Thursday, January 13th, 2022, our first new episode of the year. How does it feel to be back behind the mic talking games, Ken? Oh, I've been looking forward to this for so many weeks. Uh, I'm glad we finally <laughs> got to do it. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope all is good so far for everybody. Yeah, happy new year. It's, uh, it's been an interesting winter with all the COVID nonsense. Uh, trying to get together to play games with people has been very difficult, but luckily we have more than enough stuff to cover because we got to play some games anyway, being the deviants that we are with the obsessions that we have. So we're going to dive into some anticipated games for 2022, top five for both of us with some honorable mentions. We're going to review Res Arcana, a game we've both gotten to play quite a bit, one of my favorite engine builders on the market today. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about some some shout-outs you have. You've been doing some sleuthing, some crowdsourcing. I don't know what you want to call it, just some general goodwill <laughs> in the gaming community. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. I'm, I'm trying to build our network with good people and good games. It's a good um, strategy. So I like it. I try. Uh, so, uh, first up, again, like every episode, our Kabula update from Stranger Game Studio. Uh, shout out to Antonio again. Thank you for everything. Uh, we were told that, uh, the game is coming to the house. So we will have a prototype version of Kabula. Hopefully it'll be here next week. And we will, well, I know I've been talking about it since what, October of last year. So like I'm yeah. chomping at the bit to play this game. Um, so we'll be able to bring you some content on that as we get prepared for their launch on February 8th. And a uh, another uh, new game publisher and uh, some people I've met on Instagram, a shout out to Evergreen Forest Games, to Jordan and Alex. Uh, they have a new game that they are creating, designing, building, playtesting, doing all the work called, uh, I believe it's tentatively called Shiver. And this game caught my attention because of the art. Uh, they started following us on Instagram and I looked at their, their profile and, uh, and, and just immediately followed back, uh, because the art was really cool. And then I realized it was actually them building a game and they were showing off their game art. So it looks like a super neat game. It looks, uh, again, there's a, I, I'm just speculating here. I don't, I don't know anything really about it, but, um, we're going to probably be, Talking to them more, uh, trying to help them out, and again, keep talking about their new game. Um, they are, I believe, from Tennessee, if I remember correctly. And another shout-out to our brethren uh, from Drunken Disordered Podcast. Uh, it is a podcast about Kings of War tabletop game. Five of our crewmates are in a tournament right now uh, on UB. Uh, and week Go one, Nerd I Hammer. think, just concluded for Nerd Hammer. Uh, and so far, the boys are 3-1-1 one, and one out of 96 players. So we're doing good so far. Yeah, so that's, I guess that's the, the business portion of uh, our shout-outs. <laughs> yeah, I am I am pumped to see the Kabula prototype get our hands on it. We're going to sit down and get at least a couple games in. I don't know if we're going to get enough to do a full review before we have to return the prototype copy, but we're definitely going to get some playtime in so we can do some initial reviews and, and help those folks out should be fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to see what other prototypes we can dip our fingers into. I said it before. I think it's really cool that, uh, this industry kind of gives us, whether it's, you know, just fans or media types or whatever, a chance to be involved in game development and get in, get in that process when they're kind of fleshing things out. I had an email recently from leader and I didn't get the opportunity to do it because the holidays were pretty 
busy in a way. Uh, and by that, I mean, I sat on my ass and pretty much did nothing for a week and a half, which was glorious. But, uh, um, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Ahoy beta was going and they were getting in about 40 to 50 more games before they were kind of wrapping up development and getting stuff out to the printers. And I missed getting the chance to do it on tabletop sim, but, uh, it's just cool to get that opportunity to be involved in that stuff. And I hope we get more chances as we go here throughout the year. So let's dive in. We've got a huge list of what we've played for uh, the holiday season. Gave us a chance to sit down and get more games. Uh, maybe you got some gifts. Maybe you bought some stuff. Why don't you get started? Because I think your list is a couple longer than mine, and I know you've got some ones you really want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so if you do follow us uh, on Instagram, uh, cheap plug, you know, at Play Games Lose Friends, Townsfolk Tussle has shown up from Kickstarter. Uh, at the house, I think what last week, and again the box is 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 ginormous. Uh, it's a very thick box of content, and again games like that, you're like, oh, when am I going to get it to the table? I read the rulebook in ten minutes, and I was like, this is going to be fun and simple. And my son and I have been playing uh, the campaign, uh, so I guess it's a, uh, and again just a little bit. It's a sort of a boss battler um, where there's two phases to each boss. There's a town phase where you buy equipment, sell equipment, uh, you do little events, and then you prep for the for the fight. Then you go out into the uh, you know the, the 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 courtyard and you fight one of the ruffians. And each ruffian is unique. You draw the four ruffians at the start of the game that you're going to encounter throughout the whole thing. Every boss is unique. Uh, their mechanics are unique. Uh, and then you fight the boss, and depending how you do, uh, you might, you know, be able to get new gear through the boss. There's environment and terrain actions you can take, which can either hurt you, hurt opponents, hurt your other friends, or get you more gear. And my son and I are loving it. And it's a quick setup, quick tear down, back in the box, ready to go for the next day. Like, it is, I've just, I'm loving it. So, uh, if you, if you, if you, didn't if you missed it on Kickstarter, find it, pre-order it. Uh, you you got to get your hands on it. Specifically, if you were intimidated and wanted to buy Kingdom Death Monster, this is sort of like a sort of. And again, I've played Kingdom Death Monster. Um, it's sort of a a a a lower sort of entry point, lower or a lighter, not lower. Let's let's use the term lighter. It is a lighter version. Um, but again, quick, simple, fun. That that's all I got to say. Ryan, <laughs> yeah, the aesthetic of that game has me like I, I I've played. I think the artwork is like 1930s style animation, but there's a modern day video game called Cuphead that is like the equivalent that people talk about, and I love that style of of art sort of making its way into the cultural zeitgeist lately, and having a board game like that just immediately I had interest in it. And the fact that it's like KDM light makes me even more intrigued. So I'm definitely interested in trying that. I, I hope we can. Yeah. What's what's the max player count? I think it's five. Okay. I think it goes up to five. And that's the crazy part. So there's, um, I think there's 11 characters in the box and 12 monsters or 11 bosses or ruffians. Sorry. There's like 11 ruffians and then 12 characters to choose from. And they're all unique. Like oh, they're so all like, so thematic. They're very asymmetric, and it's. I, I was impressed with the amount of content that is in this box. 
It, it's just astounding. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so you just want to alternate about what we yeah, played? Yeah, yeah. This? Okay. So I, uh, I got a chance to sit down finally. I got Jaws of the Lion for Christmas, uh, the prior year and wasn't sure how I was going to play it. This is the, like, Gloomhaven's sort of minor successor, not a sequel, but sort of Gloomhaven light with a different story. And I had a different group that we played Gloomhaven with that, you know, COVID kind of killed that off and scheduling issues and stuff. At least for now, we may resume at some point in time. But I got Jaws of the Lion, and I, I joked with Ken a little bit before the episode. I wanted to talk about a certain topic and kind of spring it on him. And this is that topic. I got, what, four scenarios in for Jaws of the Lion. And it was I just play with my wife and I just to try it out since she got it for me. She's like, yeah, well, we can do that over the winter. It's, you know, not shit else to do. Let's try it. And, um, yeah, I just – I can't get into it. I loved Gloomhaven. But what? I think as I started to get into this hobby further and further and deeper and deeper and exploring different portions of the genre of dungeon crawlers, exploring different just game types in general, that Gloomhaven as a whole has – really fallen down my list as something that I thoroughly enjoy. And I did not, it didn't click for me. It just didn't click for me. Gloomhaven traditionally, well, in my opinion, how, has, go ahead. How did it lose its luster? Because I mean, Gloomhaven was a genre bending game and, and, and groundbreaking. And it sounds like Frosthaven's going to do it again when it comes out. I think that's this year. So it's like, I, <clears throat> I, I'm not sure why it lost its luster for you. I, I had to sit down for a while and think about it because it's it's one of those games that you're right, it hasn't changed and I don't think Frosthaven's gonna alter the formula too drastically. I think it's the fact that there is at, at its essence it's a dungeon crawler game with a light narrative. And I think that light narrative part is starting to kill it for me in games. I think if the writing isn't good enough the story doesn't keep me engrossed enough. It's kind of just like, all right, well, all I'm doing is just leveling up a character and I'm not really invested in it the same way, if that makes sense. And I'm starting, so I, you, like I felt that with Jaws of the Line. I just don't have the, it's not emotional investment, like the, the play investment that I had with Gloomhaven. And it just, it bounced right off of me. And, and the dungeon portion of it's still fun, like the character creation and leveling up and stuff like that. You know, it's all those, you know, mechanics in it still click for me but it was just not hitting home and i think i'm actually gonna box it up and and not bring it back out again because it's just not something there's so many games that i have that i'd rather be putting time towards than this and it just really surprised me a couple questions so um before we before it gets boxed away what is uh what's your wife think of it is she feeling the same way because i know she was out of the box amazing gloomhaven play gloomhaven player <laughs> Yeah, she was our she was our pinch hitter. Uh, same thing. I think it's just kind of your you. I feel like be, maybe it's because I played the full box version first and this second. It just feels like you're kind of going through the motions again. Um, and again, there's just not enough like investment in story and narrative. When there's things like Forgotten Waters, Sleeping Gods, Tainted Grail, there's so many games out there with just fantastic writing and great narratives and a story that keeps you gripped and in, you're interested the whole way through. This is just like another dungeon crawl with none of that. And so I think that part of it is why it isn't clicking for us. It just doesn't feel – I don't feel invested in it. I just don't. And that – if I'm going to put time to towards do it, I think the- I need to. With the lack of legacy-esque sort of surprises and unlocks that Gloomhaven did? 
Because I think it, it, I don't remember it having any, right? It has some. Um, I don't think it's as. But not, not, not like the, hey, here's a new character class. Like, yeah. yeah, you get the new character classes to start, but like, part of that game for me was always, you know, the original Gloomhaven was trying to get to the, you know, get to the cool classes or, or, or discovering yep. a new class. And, uh, when I opened Jaws of the Lion here, I was like, oh, it doesn't have that. Hmm. Yeah. They could have put two in, you know, or something. Like, but is that an aspect of it? Cause I know that was a big driving force behind the original. It's a good point. Um, maybe a little that, that plays into it. I think not quite that much for me because like okay. the base classes in Gloomhaven, you wanted to evolve. You wanted to unlock the more advanced stuff. I think the classes that you start with in Jaws of the Lion are actually really fun and really cool. I played the Void Warden. And she played the Red Guard, I think it was. And the Void Warden was like crazy fun. Like I, I loved the cards and abilities. But even with all that said, I just wasn't enjoying the gameplay that much. I, I would sit down. I even mm. spent – there's a uh, – what's it called? Let me let me look it up quick. There's an app I got called Foreteller that you can spend like five bucks and they have full voiceover narration and sound effects and music and everything for games and and jaws the line is one of them so i even spent the five bucks to try and add some more like you know atmosphere to it and it plays you know some (laughs) haughty british dude reading about murdering vermlings and stuff and it it was cool but like again it just it's not enough and with all the alternatives out there that just have such strong narratives and great storytelling that it just didn't click. So maybe I'll hang, I'll probably hang on to it and revisit it. But right now I think it's just going to, it's going to get boxed up. Well, here's the other question. Is it because it's at this point considered almost an old game and there's been so much that has come out since. And now it's like, it's no longer the shiny toy. Like it once was. No, I don't, I don't think it's so much that like, I don't ever really look at games based off release date. I like, I could play, you know, something from 2005 and still love it. It's, it's more just the, it's there. They're just, I'm not immersed enough in it. I'm just not. And maybe I still think maybe part of it has to do with the fact that I played the full game, you know, the, the 40 pound box version and we'll get to our top five most anticipated games later. And believe it or not, one of them is Frosthaven for me, which we'll talk about later. So there's a bit of a juxtaposition there, but I think I'm learning a little bit about me in respect or with respect to uh, sort of advancing my place in the hobby and the things that once made me sort of wow and happy with games aren't quite the same as they used to be. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting example to be brought to light with something as popular as Jaws of the Line. Oh, you're growing. I'm growing. I'm growing. Not as a person, but not as a person at all. I'm probably <laughs> devolving as a person into some primordial slime. But everything else, yes, the gaming stuff definitely great. All right, what's yes. next on your list? Um, Santa brought my son. Ooh, I like that. Some... Guy. He's cool. <clears throat> yeah, he brings board games once a year. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so he brought my son uh, a few games from Unstable Games. We'll talk. About, I'll hit two of them right off the bat here, and then we'll segue into the one that we've both played together. Um, one was uh, Unstable Unicorns, which was their first game. Uh, started out on Kickstarter, and it's been sort of the, I guess, the backbone for most of their games moving forward in some capacity. Whether it's aesthetics 
or mechanics. But I, I you, you've heard us both talk about here to slay. Definitely, <clears throat> unstable unicorns is what started that base for them. And here to slay to me is like the evolution. So, but it's got its own unique mechanics. It's unique uh, system to it, and my son and I uh, really enjoy Unstable Unicorns. Uh, the other one is, it's called Tic Tac KO, and it is a, almost like, if you think about, uh, again, obviously, it's a Tic Tac code board, and uh, it's got a code name type mechanic where you're trying to occupy specific spaces on a grid, on a Tic Tac Toe grid, but you're using... Uh, almost like a magic mechanic where you're playing monsters to, or in this case, it's unicorns versus dragons. So, uh, you're either playing a unicorn or a dragon on a space. Some of them have special abilities, but then you're also like flinging counter spells to stop that from happening. Um, or you're playing another card that kills the other person's card or moves it or so that we got a couple plays in really fun, you know, simple, quick to, to play. Um, but the game that really stole Christmas from Unstable for, for my family, and, you know, obviously, Ryan, I'll hand it over to you then, but uh, was a game called Wrong Party. So Wrong Party is uh, a drafting game where you get a hand of party guests, and uh, what you're trying to do is have the uh, – almost the – you're matching patterns. It's like a set collection in a weird way, but then there's colors – that you're trying to match. There's uh, likes and dislikes for the main party and your guests. Um, but then there's also like action cards. And um, there's a, there's some unique mechanics where you're playing one to your party and then you're uninviting someone and they're being removed from uh, the draft. Uh, but there's other mechanics that allow you to get, get, you know, dig through the uh, uninvited guest piles of yourself and some of your other uh, opponents. And it's, you play three rounds, high score wins. Uh, and this game is just, <clears throat> it's, it might be my most played game in, you know, a month. <laughs> Ryan, what were your thoughts? It was great for the kids. The color patterns, like being able to just do kind of color matching and then fairly simplistic scoring. There are some, you know, some of those cards that screw with the scoring a little bit per round, which is cool, but it's so like accessible. Yeah. It's so accessible and the kids just dove right in. Um, we played it, I think I ordered it a couple days after we played it and I got it, you know, within four days and we've probably played it three or four times since then. So it's definitely something that's coming out more. And I, I got Tic Tac KO. We just haven't gotten to the table yet. So I'll let you okay. know what I think of that one. But yeah, wrong party was really great for, for kids, you know, in the, you know, six to 12 range to just latch right onto and play. It was good. So plus uh, the price point for Unstable's games. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. A, it's a, they're really, yeah, they're they're around twenty twenty five bucks, something like that. I, I think they're all under thirty, but yeah, the definitely. amount of play you get in these games, specifically for children, but also like, uh, we'll play wrong party as adults here if my son's not home or whatever. Like, we yeah, like the game a lot. Good. It's fun. I, I I taught my I taught my parents. I taught my wife's dad. You know, I, again, we we played teams uh, with your children, me and uh, your daughter, and then. Uh, my son and your son were a team, you know, just to teach the mechanics to the kids. And it's just super fun. I don't know. I dig it. It's solid. And and the artwork for all their games is just great. Uh, that kind of like chibi, cutesy kind of thing. It's, it fits. So it's good. My next one was, uh, I want to talk about it a couple episodes ago, but I didn't get the chance was paleo. 
um, got that to the table a few more times. And I think, so I, before I should preface this with before uh, or after we played paleo, I tried to get Robinson Crusoe uh, to the table again for like the third time. And I was sitting there the whole time wanting to love that game. And it is a good game. I'm not going to knock it, but I have paleo and they're kind of the same thing in a lot of ways in terms of just like a cooperative survival game. And the whole time I'm playing Robinson Crusoe, dealing with all the fiddly tracks and all the other shit that the game tracks. I'm just sitting there thinking I'd rather be playing paleo because of the execution of it. So I just want to give a nod to that. It was really good. Uh, we played it four times, five times, something like that. Two separate uh, scenarios where you kind of mix up the decks of cards. It's really tough. You really have to kind of know what you're doing. You need a couple playthroughs before you can kind of get the, the hang of it and what you need to do. But it's, uh, it replaced Robinson Crusoe for me, and I think the replayability is there enough that I'm going to hang on to it for a while because it's different groups. It's fun. It's just solid. I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, that that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I knew it was going to be something I'd enjoy, but not quite as much as, a, as I ended up enjoying it. Well, the last one on my list uh, was actually uh, you and I went head-to-head -head twice in, in the game called Watergate. Yes. I was Nixon both times. Aru. The, the first – <laughs> the first first playthrough, I'll be quite honest, I was very confused. However, I figured it out uh, by the middle. And then I was like, oh, I've been playing this wrong the entire time. <laughs> and then we ran it back. And I think I gave you a better showing the second game because I think I was down to like yeah, only needing one more red. And then the crazy part is I could have gotten it and I just didn't see it until it was too late. But uh, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I thought it was kind of neat, the, the mechanics and the... I thought the tokens and moving evidence around and I can claim people you can claim, but whoever gets to them, but those are like the strongest cards in the deck. So you don't want to necessarily sort of go too fast with those because, you know, they could yeah, you get you that off. marker. Yeah. Like, um, but I, I thought it was fun. I, I definitely want to play it again because I, I just feel like I could get pretty amazing at that game for what it's yeah, worth. It's I don't know. I mentioned to you when you were here about it after we played that it's one of those games that I've read about where people are like, it's, it's pointless to play because it balances out almost the same way every game and almost every game is like comes down to the last turn and it's almost too balanced, which I could see an argument for, but at you know, the same time, I think it's, uh, it's just fun to play. I think everybody enjoyed playing it that I've actually tried it with and the tug of war that goes on in that game gets to be pretty fun and tense at times and depending on who you play yeah, i was mad you at you yeah <laughs> i got fired up at a couple times like like it, it's got that like that fiery passion to it like i liked it you yeah. know yeah and and it was it was just fun to try i didn't know what you would think of it because there's not i haven't really played anything quite like that uh it's very unique in its presentation and and the theming of course being a political scandal is just weird for a board game but it, it works it just yeah. works so, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. My last one is yeah. uh, one I've been looking at for a while. I never pulled the trigger on it, but there was a sale on, I think, Amazon, which I normally don't try to order games from Amazon because I just don't want to give those bastards any more money. But it was like half off, like I got to do it. And that's Search for Planet X. Um, it's a, a deduction game, not a social deduction game, but a deduction game in which you're trying to find – Planet X, which is the rumored, what, ninth planet in our galaxy or in our solar system uh, that is not visible to human eyes for whatever reason. And uh, 
I got one one playthrough with my wife so far. I have not played more than once. And I won by one point, and I had absolutely no right winning that game. She thoroughly outplayed me. She knew where everything was. My sheet that you doodled your stuff down on as you get clues and make guesses was like 70% complete. Hers is like 95% complete. But I just – I don't – she she didn't quite realize how the scoring worked. And I, to be fair, I don't know if I completely did either. And I ended up beating her by one point, but I had no business winning that game. She actually found Planet X, which is worth 10 points. And uh, she was pissed she lost. But it was really cool. <laughs> um, it We played – there's an easy side of the board. I don't want to say easy, like basic side of the board where there's 12 uh, sort of slices of the, of the pie that is the night sky. And then there's a hard side, which is 18 slices. And we played the 12 side. And I think we had it on like the second highest. So there's like a children difficulty and then there's like a normal difficulty. We played normal. So we didn't even crank it up that high. There's an accompanying app that comes with it that basically helps facilitate the gameplay. The app is excellent. The gameplay is phenomenally hard and fun and i really really enjoyed it we're definitely going to play it again soon when you talk about and again i don't know much about this game to be honest with you other than like it exists um and (laughs) you said you have sheets where you cross stuff off is it almost like have like a clue type thing like a clue like mechanic um kind of so you 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 basically on your turn you have a few actions you can perform one is target where you can pick a slice of the night sky just one slice of pie and it tells you exactly what's in that slice an asteroid a comet uh a dwarf planet uh empty sky and and plants because you can't see planet x in real life theoretically uh you can't see planet x by looking at it you have to just deduce where it is based off the location of other things And as you go through the game, the other actions you use, which is like scan or research, give you tiny clues or pieces of information like Planet X is opposite to asteroids on either side. And so you kind of have to uncover other portions of the sky to be able to deduce where Planet X is. It's really brilliant. So it's got like a logic puzzle mechanism to it as well. Yes, absolutely. That's that's pretty much what it is. And then the fact that you're sort of sharing information too, there's sort of this – phase where you're almost sharing information Hmm. because you score points by being the first one to guess where something is and eventually it gets revealed what your guess is and if you're correct you score more than the person who's who guesses that second so you're you're, it pays to sometimes gamble but you can also kind of get burned the penalty for failing a guess isn't bad uh, but it's enough that you can lose so it it's very tense uh it's very difficult i'm not good at it like my wife can keep track of a whole bunch of stuff like that at once, and I'm just dumb as a rock when it comes to that stuff. So she mm. she's chomping at the bit for another play. I have a feeling I'm just going to get absolutely smoked, and I'm okay with that because I actually really enjoy playing it regardless. <sighs> it's just fun. I think we're going to try it on the 18 side. Nice. Yeah, it definitely sounds like something that my wife might actually enjoy if we you know, can get a sleeping <laughs> baby to sleep. Yeah, there's, there's pills for that, but you need them to wake up on the other side. <laughs> the uh, the cool thing about that game is it supports four players. So if we ever got the opportunity, we could try it. But everybody kind of has a season. And so okay. the layout of the board uh, to you, the layout of like the, the sky to you on your sheet is different than everyone else's because they're a different season. And so the way you view things is, is you know, kind of rotated based off your season. And then as you're playing, there's a wheel you turn, mm. like a disc you turn that – only shows certain sections of the night sky based off the fact that, you know, you're not going to be able to see all the sky on the planet at any given moment, depending on where you're located. 
And so that kind of limits what you're able to access for scans and targeting. So there may be a spot where you think, all right, well, I just need to scan this one spot so I can figure out if planet X is there. But then that dial turns and prevents you from doing it. And that screws you for a whole turn. So it's really good. Glad I got it. Can't wait to play Mm. some more. We're definitely going to try to get it to the table in the next week or two now that I'm going to put Jaws of the Lion away. And uh, I'll have to let you know how the other playthroughs go because I thoroughly expect to get my ass just beat next time by her. She should have won that first game for sure. And I know she'll listen to this. So there you go, dear. No, and uh, it's interesting. The only other game that I can remember that has that sort of, I don't want to call it a mechanic. I don't want to call it a gimmick, but where like where you're sitting, the board is different. So like if I'm, you know, to the left and you're to my left, you have different things that you can do than I can based on the positioning of the board. And uh, the game that does that is actually um, uh, on Her Majesty's Service, which is that first sort of uh, World of Smog game where, like, the board is these gears and you can turn the board so it, like, it could screw your opponents by not giving them something or blocking them, but then it could open up something for you. So it's got, like, that almost that Rubik's Cube type thing where – you're moving things for you and trying to hurt other people or, or sort of hate on other people. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, I like the mechanic. It's different. Or, or gimmick, whatever you want to call it. I think <laughs> I you'll dig it, so we'll have to give it a try at some point in time. But it's it's. I haven't played anything <laughs> like it. It's absolutely a logic puzzle with with a lot of twists. So it's, it's very, very well done, very well executed. And the app is – I'm always hesitant when there's an app involved. And this one was great. It's It's solid and – just a great game. Really glad I picked it up. Did you have any others you want to cover or your list is good? I've got a couple, but we'll let it go for now. I know we've been dragging on. You're already almost 40 uh, minutes into this episode. To, uh, we haven't even gotten to most of our segments. <laughs> Can you tell we wanted to talk? Yeah, I think it's time to – we did want to talk, buddy. All right. Uh, well, so I guess is it time to cue Wolfgang? Let's uh, – yeah, let's cue some – no, that's that's Mozart, you savage. God, you're so uncultured, you swine. What are you, what are you drinking? Tell me. Dude. You realize his first name is Wolfgang. Mozart's first name is Wolfgang. Oh, I thought you were referring to somebody else. I'm the swine then, apparently. <laughs> you are dumb. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Or Amadeus, I guess. I'm just going to edit this out so I sound smarter. Anyway, go ahead. Oh. Just, you're just going to dub over it. Like I said, his name was like William. William Mozart. His name was Ned <laughs> Flanders. What are you drinking? Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, again, I think it was a few episodes back. Uh, I'm still on a mainstay. Again, it's a weeknight, work night. So I am enjoying a Susquehanna Orange is the New Ale. Uh, the old standby. Was it a four point? What's that? I said the old standby for you. Yeah. This one's. I mean, I could. I don't know why I can't drink this all day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you could. So, but yes. I guess I could, right? But then the rest of you know everything else will go to hell. But so Susquehanna Orange is the new ale, fantastic. I am uh, hitting up the third keyser or third sixth on the keyser, and you've had this already. It's uh, Grim makes a dry hop sour called Vacay V A C A Y. It's five point three percent. I like sours, but I'm kind of on the fence sometimes with dry hop sours. And this one is really good. Uh, it's got a lot of tropical flavors to it that I didn't think I would necessarily find in a dry hop sour. Usually they're kind of 
overdone and too hoppy or not done enough and you're just kind of getting like a plain flat sour. But this one's got a lot of really good flavor to it. And I am pr- kind of surprised how much I like it. And I know you you and Joe really hit it too when you're here. So, oh, um, so good. Yeah, I haven't had too much That's stuff. That's like the only reason to hang out with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's fair. I'm not going to argue. Uh Grimm's got some pretty good beers that I have had. I've had three or four other ones. I can't recall the names off the top of my head, but I, I definitely need to take a longer look at some more of their stuff. It's not always terribly accessible where we live, but uh, if they get, I, I got to check next time. I know I can order Sixtals and not just go walk into the freezer and just take what's there. So I'm going to have to uh, to do that next time and see if I can get some more Grimm stuff to taste ahead of time and see what I want to get. But yes, Vacay, dry hop sour, very, very good. If you get the chance to try it, please do. If you like sours, if you don't, then stay away because it's it's definitely sour. It's definitely got that uh, that tongue slap to it. All right. We nice. have five games we picked, and I know I could pick more than five, and I'm sure you could too. Oh, and an honorable mention. We can't leave oh, that out. Oh, my God. Uh, stuff we've anticipated in 2022. Uh, there's going to be a lot of games coming out this year. This is going to be a pretty big year for some oh pretty big hits. Yeah. So it was a tough choice to narrow it down to five, but I got my five. You got your five. I'm going to go first. I'm going to start at five and work my way up to one. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So five for me is one you turned me on to that I initially kind of just passed over on Kickstarter. Didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it, but the more I looked at it and the more I, I read about it and watched about it, I just wanted to play it and still do to this day. And that is mind bug. Um, I think it's going to be something that is accessible enough that the kids can play. Uh, it's going to be deep enough that we can play and still get a, you know, a good couple hours of fun out of it every so often. It's a smaller package. So, you know, not frost Haven in terms of size and, ridiculousness i'm looking for stuff like that this year i think as a sort of primary goal is these quick fun plays that are also pretty deep and Mindbug hits all those buttons for me so i'm very excited for that one Mindbug's is going to be awesome i can't wait yeah i, I think just, so. the art oh it just looks good so you didn't do your honorable mention first i was going to save it for last uh you know what i mean I'll, I'll, okay. do, I'll do it now quick uh honorable mention yeah, yeah. This is a quick uh, bow down to one of my favorite designers, Cole Worley, is John Company. Um, I haven't gotten to play PAX Premier yet. I really want to. It's just one of those games where I think I'm going to enjoy it. And the more I look at John Company, the more I kind of think the same thing. I'm not hmm. a huge ec- economy style player. Like, you know, the I, have, I own Food Chain Magnate. We haven't played it yet. I don't own Brass Birmingham. Like, there's a lot of those sort of economy simulator type games with a lot of that push and shove between players that is out there and I don't own but want to play. This one's probably near the top of my list. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with this. I know they wrapped up uh, development on it, I think, and they're starting production or it's already underway or maybe close to done. But it's coming out this year, and, and I'm probably going to pick up a copy of it at some point in time because it just intrigues me. So that's definitely an honorable mention. And that was a Kickstarter last year, right? Yes. Because you could also have picked up PAX Premiere on that campaign too, right? Yes. I feel like yeah, I sent I just, those. Or we I decided were, not to we do were it kicking at the those time. back and forth. Yeah. I, yeah. There'll, there'll be copies, and there'll be copies that people you know put up on Reddit or whatever. I'll be hunting those, I think, but – Definitely something I'm interested in this, this year. Nice. Um, so my honorable mention uh, was one that 
I think we talked about it on the last episode because it was supposed to be at PAX. Uh, it started hitting retail, I think, the week between Christmas and New Year, if not the week after. So two weeks ago, I guess, is the Res Arcana expansion. Uh, it started to be sold out on several online retailers, but I was able to add it to my birthday list. So I believe I'll be getting it in early February. <laughs> so nice. really looking forward to adding the Res Arcana expansion to, to the game. Yeah. Um, Since we're talking about Res Arcana later, I felt it was applicable. <laughs> I definitely want to try it. I'm very intrigued at the fact that the rule set raises the victory point total to, I think, 13. I want to see how that plays out. I, 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 it's funny. I had an order queued up in mini market to get that thing of Lear and the quacks, uh, alchemist expansion. And I got distracted and I didn't order it. And I opened my browser on my phone like two days later and all but thing of Lear sold out. And I'm like, God damn it. So now I got to wait, but I am going to pick those up. So yeah, three more expansions. Suck it. <laughs> nice. And then my number five is a standalone expansion for Villainous. It is introducing, well, it's the first time that any of the Pixar villains are being brought to the Villainous universe. Uh, so they're bringing Syndrome. Uh, they're bringing Lotso, who's nice. that like pink bear from Toy Story, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, Madame Mim, who isn't Pixar, but she's the, uh, witch from Sword in the Stone. So I love Villainous. I buy everything that comes out for Villainous. So I believe this comes out in March. Uh, you can pre-order it on mini market. I'm waiting for the target because they always do an exclusive version at target. So yeah. I keep checking the app every day to hit the pre-order button when it shows up. But I, I'm just, again, syndrome is going to be amazing and lots of is going to be, I mean, it's just Villainous is great. Yeah. So, there's a huge, that's my number five, huge, group of people that love that game and all the expansions and i'm not surprised i won't be surprised to see that sell out pretty quick yeah number four for me i mentioned earlier uh is frost haven despite jaws the lion bouncing off of me i still think that frost haven has enough draw and depth and all this stuff that isaac childress and, and team have added to frost haven just if, if you're a backer or not a backer, if you followed any of the design updates over the course of the project's development, they've added so much more to an already massive game that I think all that stuff is going to pull me back in. And I'm excited about it. Maybe not as excited as it once was because of Jaws kind of bouncing off of me it gives me a little bit of hesitation. But I have a feeling that once Frosthaven hits the table with the right group of people, I'm going to be back in hard. So that is my number four. I definitely can't wait to see what the final product looks like and, and get another chance to dive back into that world. Yeah, that uh, I'm actually looking forward to being able to finish one of his products because I yeah. think I'm in the game group <laughs> for Frosthaven. <laughs> so I'm excited yep. as well. Uh, number four, we, we talked about it on episode five uh, with Kyle, the, the lead designer, lead illustrator at Leader Games. Uh, Ryan mentioned it that we almost got into the playtesting phase of it, uh, is Ahoy, which if you, if you didn't listen to that episode, it, uh, it's a game that they're, that, that, you know, that's coming out this year, right to retail. And it is a, a symmetric gateway pirate themed game. 
smuggling. Uh, basic, yeah, that basically uh, prepares you for some of their other games that are more, um, you know, maybe a little bit more steeper of a learning curve. Uh, but again, Leader doesn't really make a bad product that that I've played yet. So. I, again, and, and having a gateway type style game means that potentially our wives can play, maybe our children. So I'm looking forward to Ahoy. That was my, my number four. That was my number five until I sat down, looked at my Kickstarters again, and Mindbug was there. And it was like, I know more about <laughs> Mindbug, so I think that's why that made the list. But Ahoy could very easily bump Mindbug off as number five. I, I just have a feeling it's going to be that great. Um, not only did Kyle get me pumped, but just the pedigree that they have gives me a lot of hope for yeah. that one. So number three for me was one I mentioned last episode as a Kickstarter. I am absolutely in love with the Deep Rock Galactic video game. My son and I play it all the time and it's getting a board game, uh, version on Kickstarter this year. And I don't know if it's going to get released this year or not. So that's the only caveat for my 2022 most anticipated games. It could just be Kickstarter this year, not fulfilled, but. I got to see prototypes of it, and I think I sent you the link, and it looks so sweet. It's mini heavy, um, which makes me a little sad in certain ways because I'm just kind of you right in the pocketbook, uh, yeah, right in the coin purse. <laughs> but the minis look cool, and because I have so much sort of investment in the IP from a video game standpoint, and hours and hours of my life into that game, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, and I think I'll paint that one up, and it'll be cool. Uh, I'm very curious to see how the gameplay goes. The designers, uh, I think the main designer is Ole Steinis, who worked on Champions of Midgard, who, which I love. So I have hmm, a lot nice. of hope there for the rule set to be pretty solid. I'm very curious to see what that ends up being. But the IP alone has me super pumped. Uh, I'm always kind of hesitant about board games and video games crossing over. The, the Darkest Dungeon is a good example from last year. Um, skeptical well, about whether Borderlands from last episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, skeptical about whether or not things will translate. I may still back out if the rules are total crap, but I have a lot of hope that they won't be. And, uh, I'm very excited for that one. I hope it, uh, I hope it launches this year for sure. And, uh, you know, miracles could happen. Maybe it gets fulfilled in 2022. Nice. Uh, my number three, right? We're on number three. Yes. I know it's uh, hard to count. I'm bad at composers and you're bad at numbers. Nice. Yeah. Uh, is from Red Raven Games. Uh, called Now or Never. Uh, I, I figured actually that just would got be a on Kickstarter. I just got a Kickstarter in, which is the documentary of Ryan and his wife actually designing and creating the the game and watching them play test it with friends. And it was an amazing documentary. And then I remembered I actually pre-ordered Now or Never like last year. So like <laughs> I'm like I'm like Ooh, oh there was out. a reason why. <laughs> It's like, that makes sense. You know, again, you, you back Kickstarters and then hopefully they show up, right? You just sort of wait. Yeah. Um, but, um, but uh, again, these documentaries were fantastic. It's called Crafting uh, Arzium. Uh, I believe it's Zoom Out Media out of North Carolina. Uh, so, again, if you, have, if you ever get a chance to check it out, those, those documentaries are fantastic. They do the one on, uh, on Ryan Lockett specifically. And then he there was another one that was just about, like, being a game designer. So they interviewed everybody. Like if, if they designed a game, they were interviewed, they were talked to. Uh, and they also go through, uh, some two like up and coming sort of designers that were making games that either were on Kickstarter or they were just 
still working on them in their house. So it was kind is of that a cool the one with the uh, the guy the the parks guy that see the see the United or Na- National Parks like he was in that one with his parents. Uh, I watched a documentary and they interviewed like that guy Rainier Knizia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's probably the same one. That was a really good documentary. Yeah. Yeah. So. And all this doc, I mean, the documentary was fantastic. I love it. And I don't regret the Kickstarter. Like I, I would watch this again just to see. I mean, Ryan Lockett's a very unique guy. Dude, and, I want to play just, Sleeping God so bad. I'm, I'm buying that this year for and, sure. And, and all it did was like make me fiend for now and ever because <laughs> there's, I, I don't know how you can make promo cards for a game that you can't play, but like I have more now or never promo cards to play a game that I don't have. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> but so I'm assuming it's coming like, I'm waiting for the shipping notice. Like it should be that soon. So nice. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to try that. I got to play above or below with you. In fact, the four of us played spouses and us, yeah. and that's the first time I played any of his games, and I liked it a lot. And I have seen so much good feedback and praise about uh, Sleeping Gods that it's definitely on my list to pick up early this year. I've been watching for it. I probably will pull the trigger soon. That's one of those games where again, narrative is such a strong thing with him. And then the games that he develops, it's a big portion of it, which, you know, you don't always see. But it's amazing that he is a one-man show, like, like from the design, the creative. And, like, you hear his history and, like, um, and then his wife, his wife is just as, I I, I leaned to my wife, you were watching it in bed, (laughs) and I said, you know, I said, I was like, honey, look how supportive she is, right? Like, she's just, like, his right hand. No, I mean, she, you know, made some comments, but like, um, but like they have kids and like he's doing all this stuff. Like, it's amazing. Like that, that he has games out. Like, that's just how amazing it is. It's like when you're passionate but his wife about does all the music. Do, that's what happens. No, it's, it's awesome. I, I was like inspired in awe. Like it was awesome. The documentary was just fantastic. And uh, again, now or never is like his. Supposed to be his biggest sort of story-ish. I mean, I don't know how you get bigger than Sleeping Gods, but at least maybe for the trilogy. Maybe it's not bigger than Sleeping Gods, but like out of the trilogy between Above and Below, Near and Far, um, and then obviously Now or Never. So, Well, now you can finally get that Ryan Lockett tattoo on your inner thigh that you've always wanted. I know. I know you've been talking about it. <laughs> the Red Raven logo on yep. my back. Yep. Right above your ass. Number two for me is one I backed last year, should fulfill this year, from a French developer. The game is called Ice. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before from a physical presentation standpoint. The board is a giant hex, and within it are a bunch of hex tiles, but they are layered on top of each other. And you're basically exploring this Arctic wasteland and chiseling or drilling down through the ice to reveal the next layer beneath and what may lie below. It looks really unique, really cool. They put a pretty cool universe or, or you know, lore around the game. Everything about it, the art, I think I kickstarted it and got like the, some of the limited edition art with it. It looks fantastic. Um, the rule set looks pretty good so far. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's something I, I think I'm going to hopefully get before you know end of summer so that we can kind of get it to the table a whole bunch because it looks like something i think the group's going to really enjoy so that is ice super simple name looks absolutely awesome so far very cool yeah that was that was a hard one to pass on but the fact that you backed it i was like okay 
I'll get to play it. Um, yeah. but, but I was definitely looking at that one as well. So, um, I showed some, uh, restraint. Uh, my number two is, is like, uh, is my cheat potentially on the list. Um, like Ryan's Deep Rock Galactic. It is a, uh, it's rumored that there is another Kickstarter coming this year that, you know, again, depending how soon it happens could also potentially fulfill, but you know, the world and all the other fun stuff that's going on, yeah. probably not, but, um, suppose supposedly townsfolk tussle is coming back with some sort of addition to the game. Oh, really? Um, I'm assuming a potential maybe second print for people who missed the first campaign. I'm in. But then adding content for you know people who already have the first game, which I'm hoping that they dive even deeper in the town phase because that is the part of Kingdom Death that I love the most is the, I forget what they call it, but it's like after you, you do this fight, see, they go the opposite, right? You have a fight and then you go to your village. Then you do a hunt and then you go and do this boss battle and then you go back to your village. So uh, on Townsfolk Tussle, it, it goes the opposite, right? You do the town phase, then you go out and fight. Then you do the town phase and you go out and fight. So I think from a, in a comparison to Kingdom Death, I, I think Townsfolk Tussle's, Boss battling is better, but Kingdom Death Village and Town Phase is fantastic. And if they can find a way to just a little make it, maybe make a little bit more in the Town Phase than just buying and selling, you know, in a couple events. Like I get it. Like I'm again, you don't want to make a same game, but like just enhance the Town Phase a little bit. I would be super excited. But rumor is they're coming back to Kickstarter. The fact that they fulfilled Townfolk Tussle means they're allowed to come back and do another campaign, right, with all the new Kickstarter rules. So uh, that's that's the rumor that that's going to happen this year. So I'm super excited because I love this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna get in on that I, after seeing you know screens and I don't know Instagram pictures of what you had. I was just like. I should have backed it. I just should have backed it. I mean, the fact that you got it again, same thing, our little system we got here where I save you money, you save me money is working out, but uh, I could, I could stand to own that. I think so. I'm definitely going to be in if they do that. Yeah. Number two, Townsfolk Tussle. So number one for me. Yeah. Number one's, I don't know if I want to say it's a cheat because getting a hold of this was almost impossible, but I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of, Vagrant song from Weird. Uh, I am a Malifaux player, or was. Don't get the chance to do it anymore. So I'm familiar with Weird as a company. Uh, to see them putting out board games was kind of surprising, and to see them put out something as ridiculously awesome as uh, Vagrant Song looks blew my mind. And it's got nothing but the highest of praise from just about everybody that has played it in the industry. Um, I am stoked to get this i ordered it and i think i'm in the next printing so at some point in the next couple of months i think we're gonna see emails come in letting us know the order's been placed i don't know what the production schedule looks like and didn't really look that far into it because i'll just agonize over when i get it but i am very excited to get that game and get that to the table i think it's going to be it's just it's so unique and different and i have a feeling it's going to be enough of a hit with enough of a different range of players that it'll see the table a lot. And so I'm excited about that. And that is by far and away my number one for, for this year. And yes, it came out last year, but uh, good luck getting it. It was very hard to get. 
And hopefully the second print run, I'll be in the mix to, to grab a copy. So not to birth any bubbles, but um, oh, no. Vagrant Song was also on my list. Uh, I love <laughs> not not it's not on my it's not my number one, um, but it was a game that like I followed, I saw, I wanted it, it was awesome. Uh, but then I had forgotten that I backed Town Folk Tussle. It's got a very similar aesthetic. It's got the yes. boss battling mechanisms, but it has more of the dungeon crawl as opposed to the sieve or village yeah. town phase. So you you might not end up needing both, but it depending how different it is, I'm super excited to play it because again I just think it's fantastic. And again, weird doesn't make a bad game so far that I've seen or played. Um, yeah, but yeah. That was what made me sort of back off a little bit. And knowing, again, and pl- now playing Townsfolk Tussle, I'm like, okay, cool, you know. So uh, so my number one is a Kickstarter I backed, I don't know, let's see. I want to say two years ago? Hold on. I'm trying to get specific here. And we just got, uh, if you are a backer of this game, the latest update is stating that it should be in your hands June of 2022. So this game was successfully funded on November 5th, 2019. So it's, what, a little over two years ago. And that is Oathsworn Into the Deep Wood. Again, I backed this game immediately after seeing just a little bit. I didn't spoil myself on any of the content. Uh, I've watched the interviews of what's coming. Uh, I guess it's about four, three or four boxes the size of Gloomhaven that are being shipped to us. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I just, I cannot wait. I, I missed, again, I, I never I never got on Kingdom Death. I've always kicked myself for it. Uh, that might have actually made me more of a hobby guy if I would have bought Kingdom Death. I never did it. I missed it again this Black Friday. So... Oh, Sworn's going to be hopefully my my kingdom death. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it so bad. Yeah, it's uh, that's a package. I was looking at that too when it when it was out, and just like I got overwhelmed by the thought of it. That's that's one that's going to be an adventure. I think probably something that's worth collecting. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean it's super. I mean it's super aggressive and and innovative of what they're trying to do. And it was, um, again, one of the things that I, I thought about doing, again, if I ever had Kingdom Death, was magnetizing everything. Because as your characters yeah. and your villagers grow and change, they give you plastic for every piece of equipment, everything in the game, for every character. I was just like, oh, I can barely put a model together, let alone do that. So that sort of detracted me from Kingdom Death a little bit, was the upkeep and, and maintenance. But Oathsworn is doing this sort of, it's called HIPS, is the new sort of mechanism around or, or uh, I guess, model type that the miniatures are going to have where you can swap out the gear as you get it. So That's every cool. character class in the game has a what's known as the armory. And in that was that's half of one of the boxes is the armory. Oh so God. as you get new gear as that character, you can actually equip it by unsnapping or or sort of sliding the hands or sliding the heads or sliding the like it's gonna be amazing yeah so sounds awesome i'm super pumped 
So that is our top five most anticipated games for 2022. Oof. We'll see how that list changes as the year goes because some things may uh, stretch out their fulfillment based off all these shipping delays and global meltdowns and whatnot. So hopefully uh, we'll get to see all of these this year. But if not, well, I'm sure we'll be able to fill that list in. Maybe we should revisit this this summer and see where we're at. Yeah, we're halfway, maybe uh, June, something like that. It sounds like a plan. All right, game review tonight. My favorite engine builder currently out there that I have ever played is Res Arcana, published by Sandcastle Games. This was released in 2019, uh, designed by Tom Lehman and illustrated by Julian DelVal. It's a two to four player game, takes between 60 and 90 minutes. Uh, we have had, I don't know, I've played probably 20 games of this at least, and I cannot wait for the expansion. I have the first expansion, looking forward to the second, but this is a game that has yeah. sat in my Amen. collection for a while. You introduced me to it, and it has never really not been played for longer than like a month or two. Yeah, it is one of those games where you can always just go back to it, uh, pick it back up. Uh, you put it away for a little bit. You're like, ah, oh, I missed you, Res Arcana. And you go back to it because it's great. It really is. So we do our reviews based off five categories, theme, balance, fun, component quality, and replayability. And then we give it a final uh, yes or no to whether or not this is a lose friends table flipping kind of game. So let's get started with your uh, your ranking for theme for Res Arcana. So and it's interesting because I keep a sheet of all of our um, all of our, our reviews, so you can see like I can see like oh I gave that a four, I gave that a five, and this and that. And when it comes to theme, I, I again unless it's unless it really hooks me in, I, I I always end up sort of going middle of the road. And and for Res Arcana, I, I gave it a three for theme. Uh, I think you know again it you know you're just trying to make your what you have work. And, and try to achieve, but I don't know if there's anything that really ties it all together. But that doesn't make it a bad thing. I just don't think it's as uh, thematic a as other games. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I gave it a four because I think it's uh, very sort of high fantasy and it stays in the high fantasy world. And there's a, you know, your, your mage that you get has, there's different mages and they're kind of themed appropriately based off what their, you know, necromancer produces black currency or green currency or you know there's shadow daggers that sacrifice things and it comes at a cost but you gain a lot from that sacrifice i think the the gameplay and mechanics tie into that high fantasy theme really well and yeah you probably could you know make a res arcana that's space themed or uh you know animal theme but it works very yeah. very well in the high fantasy setting and the illustrations on the cards are just beautiful. Uh, and even the card backs are beautiful. Everything ties in so well together to that high fantasy theme that I, I felt like a four made more sense. So that's what I gave it. Balance. I don't think I've ever played a game of Res Arcana where the ending wasn't close unless I was playing with three people or whatever that had never played the game before. This is one of the most balanced engine builders I've ever played. There are so many different ways to win uh, there's so many different ways to stay competitive, even in the face of, and I'll get to this a little bit later with um, fun. When you have a hand that you start the game with that isn't terribly powerful if you're not playing draft mode, and I think this, the caveat being that draft is the best version of this game, and you would probably agree with that, I think, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed the draft that we did at PAX. That changed the game for me, because I think that was the first time we ever drafted it, because again, we usually like 
trying to get to the table quick. So you just do the starting game, you know, the starting decks and go, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I think that that adds to it. But even if you're not drafting, your opening hand can sometimes be kind of weak compared to some other players. And there's still ways to build an engine and get around that and still be productive in that game. So I gave this a 4.5 and for balance because I have never really played a game where I've watched someone struggle miserably and fail or someone who just absolutely dominate and run away with the game. I think it's just incredibly well thought out in that respect. Yeah, I, um, I, I was similar. I have it as a four from a balance perspective. Um, cause I do sort of put it on the same sort of scale as some of the other games like Fort or Looters, right? Like you just get, uh, you get a set of cards and you, you have to make the best with what you got and you have to find and unlock your puzzle that you, that you get. Now, whether you draft them, obviously then you sort of know like what you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to accomplish it. But if you just do like, you know, the, the random starters or, or you know, you just randomize, you know, the starting cards of, you know, regardless of the mage type, like you just got to figure out a way to make it work. Um, so, and, and everyone is in that boat. So again, balance is very high at a four. Yeah. So fun for you. So, um, this, you know, might surprise you, Ryan, but I gave it a five, <laughs> uh, for fun. Um, because I have never not enjoyed a game of Resurcana. They, uh, it, it's just a fun game. Uh, and again, like I said, you're trying to solve the puzzle of your cards, and how can you, you know, achieve, you know, getting to those temples faster, quicker? Uh, once you have those temples, how do you make them score more? I forget what the, um, you know, you get those, those little scrolls, you know, trying to figure out what scrolls are going to help you each round because, you know, ones you that are typical and are great, you, you, you know, they'll be used almost every other round. So you got to figure out like the lower tier scroll, how to make that work for you that time or that, that round. And then what was the, I forget, and I apologize, I, I can't remember for the life of me, well, there's the, the, um, there's like little cities or whatever that you can buy. Uh, places of power. like a set amount of money. What's that? The places of power? Or you mean the monuments? Yeah. Like, I, again, I'm going back to my game at PAX. I didn't even know, I like completely forgot like those were even on the table. Like I had my, <laughs> I had my thing going. You know what I mean? Like I had my engine. It was working. I didn't need them. Right. Yep. But yet. I think it was Joe was like buying those up or, or, or Brad, like they were just, and I was like, Oh, I forgot those things existed. But like at that point I had already, I couldn't, you can't pivot, right? Cause you guys got to keep making the engine work and feeding it. So yeah, again, super fun. So I, I have a, a I'm going to have a, a little 4.75 cop out here, a 4.5, 4.95, 4.5 non draft and a five as draft. I think draft mode oh, in this game cheater. is so much fun. So I'm going to go with 4.5 uh, for fun. I think it's – the only thing that docks it for me is, Either way, is when great. you don't play draft and you get a crappy hand, it, it's a little less fun than the guy that got the best hand or the, or the girl that got the best hand. So that's my only knock on it. I think the game has a little bit of a learning curve and teach to it that um, can kind of make it a little hard to stay fun yeah. with introducing it to new people constantly. But I think the draft of this game is as pure fun as I've ever had in an engine builder. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 with an asterisk that if you're playing in draft mode, this is a 5. All right. Well, what do you think of them components? Component quality. I think everything about this game is great. My only complaint, and it's a stupid one that's not going to dock the score for me, 
It's a 4.5, and the only complaint I have is the first player token should be some kind of cool-ass metal thing, not that uh, the cardboard disc they give you, but I'll forgive them for that. Card quality is great. Uh, All the tokens are great. The insert's good. Artwork's fantastic. I love the box. You know, nothing that, you know, puts it above and beyond where it would be a 5 in my book, but it's it's 4.5 is pretty damn good for a component score. This gets a five for components. I mean, I, I went to the box. I went to the box trying right before the review. I, I opened the box again. I'm like, this thing has been in a bag. This thing has been upside down. This thing has been on the shelf upright. This thing has been vertical. Nothing moves. It all stays in place. That lid is tight. That insert solid. The cardboard quality is great. The art is fantastic. The fact that the, I mean, you really dinged them for a first player token. I mean, you don't even need first player tokens. No, that's in games. that's not my like, only ding. Uh, I think. Well, this one you do because it's a VP. No, no, I get it, but you know what I mean. Like, like you could go and do like cool resin tokens that are like clear for some of the, the you know the token you know the red and blue stuff and green. Like you could go. That's what geek ups for. That's what geek ups yeah. for. Not not designing a game. But like, <laughs> there are those of us who'd pay an extra ten bucks for that to just be in the box too. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But, you know, I mean, no but the meeples, the the res, the the me, aren't the meeples different shapes too? There's no meeples. No, the but the resource token. Sorry, the resource. Yeah, they're, they're different. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know, man. You're 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 a harsh critic. I pick nits. I pick nits. You do pick nits. All right, replayability. All right, again, that's a five with or without the expansion. You don't need the expansion to still have the replayability. Obviously. Adding more of what's good. Like, again, when you get an expansion that just adds more to what was already awesome, you know, uh, you know, a little, yeah, you know, I can think what they added the demon mechanic or the little bit of take that. Yep. Again, it, it just increases replayability. Uh, again, five. Five here as well. I could play that game Yay! from now until the end of time and not get tired of it. And like you said, expansions just add more of a good thing to an already good thing. And, can't wait to see what the new one brings. The Demon expansion was great. The scrolls were a great addition. Uh, it's just one more piece of the puzzle when your engine is being attacked or needs to cross, you know, one last thing off the list to be able to pull off the win. So great, great, great replayability in this game, especially in that draft mode. Again, that's a big caveat for me. Yeah, draft mode makes it it's different. It's just so much more fantastic of a game when you draft and, and can't wait to try it with all the new expansions. So Final score for me was a 4.6. How about you? I had a 4.4. 4. Right. Uh, again, I was, I had the three on the theme, which brought it down. Yeah. But I ended up with a 4.4. 4. And in terms uh, of being a game that will make you lose friends, uh, where did you go with this one? <laughs> I changed my answer three, four times. I'll be honest with you. I said this, this is one that can cause you some serious agita when you have your engine working and there's those jerks at the table with their dragons just picking off the resources you need to make that final play for a win or the guy that steals the monument that's sitting out there because you can generate gold just a little bit faster than you there's enough there to make you pissed off while you're playing and then on top of it the one place of power that lets you check the victory condition whenever you want by tapping it <laughs> that's so good is such an f you <laughs> to to other players at the table depending on the situation so yes i think this one could make you lose some friends and flip a table in anger uh so we're gonna disagree i felt that this one doesn't 
make you want to lose friends or, or make you so angry you uh, don't want to play with anybody. Um, I have issues. I feel like – what's that? I said I think I might have some issues then. So number <laughs> – maybe. But so – Again, you talk about the dragon or the demon and the dragon mechanics, right? Like, I feel like there's so much mitigation against those that that little bit of take that, yeah, they might catch you one round, but like, come on, play better. Always True. have that one resource in reserve or that one guy. Um, but that's also dependent again, upon one of those s- cards show up in the decks that you draft. No, no, from I too. know, I know, yeah. I get it, I get it. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, there's a there's enough mitigation for anything that could be potentially take that. You know, again, if you see that one place of power out that, you know, you uh, think could, you know, end up costing you the game, well, then work harder to get to it and, and beat them to the punch. So, again, and our last game was the most uh, uh, angst ridden I ever was <laughs> at PAX playing with you because, like, uh, I was so close to winning. And then magically, I didn't see you pulling ahead, like that. Just and you were only ahead what by what three or four, yeah. Like, but it was so close, and we were both gonna, you know, one of us was gonna win that turn. That turn, and I didn't want to like, you know, choke you out. You know, I was happy. It was cool. It was a good again. It was, it made me play better knowing how good you are at that game. So I don't know. Maybe that sways my. I look at it a different way with this one. It's such a classic engine builder for me, and, and it's going to be hard, I think, to oh, displace it. Uh, there's so many good engine builders out there, but for whatever reason, this one just strikes such a chord with me. And is it so well balanced through and through? And I'm I'm curious to see what the expansion does for it, but I have high hopes. So, well, there's again, engine building is. I think that might be my favorite type of game. I think so. Like, I love engine building. You're very good at it too. You know, engine building, tableau building, something like that. You know what I mean? Like those combos and and, and the the engines. Like I love that type of game. And we have so many of those games. Uh, they 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 and and they all do something different and they do it like and they all do it well. Yeah. Like I don't know if I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a bad engine builder. I don't know if I've ever played it yet, but you know, but yeah, Resarcana is again does what it does differently with that that core sort of engine piece tableau style like i love it yeah uh, engine building is the genre where if we play it you and i sit down at the table with whoever we're playing with and we are constantly just looking at each other's side i'd like what is that son of a bitch up to what is he gonna do where's he going <laughs> let me what do you what card is that let me see what you have <laughs> and like i love that about engine builders i think that's when you when you play and the funny thing is is like our group like furnace is a great example out of nowhere, Brad just is like, hey, bitches, guess what? I'm really good at Furnace, an engine building game, and you're all terrible. Like, I haven't played an engine building game with him yeah. yet where he's just, like, blown us away. And that game, for whatever reason, just rain manned right in his head, and he just destroyed us two games in a row. So I think that's why that Dude, he was like Kasparov. Really, yeah. <laughs> he just, like, Furnace. It, it figured it out quick. and, and It was amazing. Yeah. So, but yes, Res Arcana Bobby Classic. Bobby Fisher that. What's that? Yeah. Bobby Fisher, yeah. Bobby Fisher, that's so hard. It was amazing. So Res Arcana, it's been out since two, two, 2000, I can't get words out, 2019. If you don't own it and you like engine builders, do yourself a favor and go get it. Run, Pick up the expansions them. too because it's, uh, it's a classic in my yeah. mind. More of a good thing. All right. Let us jump on to a very short back bot list tonight. Uh, I don't have anything except for Search for Planet X. Uh, have – been trying not to buy stuff. I did get close to buying a uh, dungeon party, which is like a quarters 
combined with a dungeon no. theme. Oh, yeah. uh, but yeah. I was a good boy and didn't buy it because I just don't need to buy any games right now with the stuff that's coming next year and the other things that I'm looking forward to. So go ahead with your backbot. Well, hold on. Let's just pause it for a second. Do you really want to teach your kids to play quarters at their age right now? Like, are you setting them up for, like, the World Series of Quarters when they go to college? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> okay, all right. So it's like, uh, what is it, like uh, Venus and, and Serena's dad, but just with quarters? <laughs> yes, practice, practice. <laughs> all right, so um, I'll do bot first. I had it on my packs list for when Ryan and the gang were hunting. Uh, was Ark Nova. Everything I keep reading, everything I keep watching, I will, I need this game. Uh, I don't own Terraforming Mars. I don't own Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. I love both of them. I, I think they're both great games. But again, just Ark Nova has more of a theme that I can get behind than, than those. And it's sold out everywhere. Uh, and, uh, I don't know how I, I forget how I got it, either an email or something, but I bought it direct from the publisher. And, uh, they're, they're still in their first print run. Uh, if you didn't buy it now, I don't know when the second print run's coming this year. So, uh, Arc Nova. And again, if you like, well, again, if you like Terraforming Mars, but don't own it, but then you like the theme of this one, which is, uh, like a, you're building a zoo. You're not necessarily cooperative. Uh, so it's, is your zoo better than your, your other opponent's zoos? It's got the tableau style building. You know, you need certain things out to do other things. So, again, it just looked so good. Uh, so that was what I bought. Um, again, I do have – obviously, always I have a list of games I want to buy. But uh, my birthday's coming up, so I sent my birthday list out. So we'll see <laughs> what what happens. So I try to curtail my spending. From a ba- uh, backed perspective, uh, a game just ended. Uh, and, again, I, I have to give them a little bit of a shout-out here. They're local here to Pennsylvania, where, where Ryan and I are from. Uh, and, and again, an hour away in Philly. It was a game that when it hit Kickstarter like a, a month ago, I, 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 again, I skimmed through the Kickstarters. I flagged it as I liked it and I just forgot about it, right? I, I didn't go back and I didn't go through my saved list. And they ended up following our podcast on Instagram. And I saw them playing in a bar here locally in Philly, their game. And I was like, what game is that? And then I tracked it down, and it was – I had, like, two days to, to back it, and I did. I ended up backing it. I backed it at its full tier. Uh, it's a game called The Big Shuffle. It is from previously Pluto Games. Uh, again, like I said, uh, designers here from Pennsylvania, Philly specifically. It's a film noir card game where, uh, again, it seems to have, like, a little bit of a codenames mechanic where you each every, – every player has – sort of a, a a set cards that they need to be in a certain spot. So you're moving cards off a top of a pile and it's like a, uh, like a, either a four by three or a three by three grid. So there's like nine piles, almost like a tic-tac-toe board. And you're just trying to get the specific cards uh, on the tops of the deck. And then once you have it all matching what you have as your goal, I think then you win something like that. So again, artwork look cool. Uh, I've never really played a game like that to a degree. So, plus they're local, so I wanted to uh, share the love. So, uh, that's called the Big Shuffle. Again, if you if you're interested or that sounds cool, you might be able to get a late pledge. Uh, and then, with every time we talk about Kickstarter, I always have a game that I'm backing that I think is going to make the cutting room floor. And Ryan, this is where I I need your help. So, uh, I am currently backing Yucatan, 
which is from the designers of Inish, Kemet, and Cyclades. I don't have any of those games. I've only played Inish. Inish is great. But this is, it almost feels, Ryan, like Blood Rage meets Ankh. That's interesting. In a way. Like it com- and it's, uh, it's an area control, your fight, or maybe actually in a weird way, maybe it com- even throws in Rising Sun. I don't know. I've never played it, but, uh, <laughs> but from what I'm looking at, it's, it's, you, you know, you've got these towns that you're defending. You're upgrading your entire army, like constantly. But for me, the, and, oh, and they got the monster thing, like, you know, like you can pull these unique monsters in to fight with you on your side and you can upgrade your monsters so you can go from, a tier one monster to a tier two to a tier three, but it has an anteater as one of the <laughs> monsters. And I don't know of any other game that has an anteater in it. And I feel like I have to own that. And something again, about I you and the animal. Showed it to kingdom. my wife. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then my wife rolled her eyes at me and she's like, you're paying that for one mini. I'm like, yeah, but the game's probably good. So I don't know. <laughs> so it might get unbacked depending how crazy it gets, but. It's called Yucatan, if I didn't mention that. I'll have to check that out. So, yeah, give it a look and then tell me if I'm crazy or if we think it's going to be good. I would appreciate your feedback. Yeah, I'll take a look. <laughs> I would imagine if it's as you described, I'll be making the mistake of backing it as well. <laughs> but I'll take a look at it first. Well, that about does it for us. Do you have anything else? No, 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 no. That was my backed and bought. I only got I only had three tonight. That might be the shortest backbot we've ever had. I don't know if it's the holiday rush of games or the fact that we are uh, being frugal, waiting for all the amazing shit that's going to drop this year. But we'll see. Dude, this is going to be a big year. I can't. I can't just go crazy. I know. But there's so much on Kickstarter I want to back. Like it's crazy. Yeah. There's so and, much. Game. And there's I more mean, coming. There's a we don't lot even know of games. About. Oh my god, it's insane. We are in a golden age. It's a good time to be a. <laughs> it's like a good time to love board games, but like at the same time, it's like I love money too. Like you know, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's tough. that's been a thing. Yeah, but we'll get through it. And yeah. if we keep this little model yeah, of you buy, I buy, we we should be okay. We won't get yeah. as much aggro. Then we get we get all the games, and we get to keep some money, right? Yeah, it's a, it seems like a sweet deal. <laughs> keep this coordination going. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode seven. Instagram, go ahead and plug our all of our professional networking tools. Go ahead, feel free. Yes, please follow us on Instagram at Play Games Lose Friends. Follow us on the Nerdhammer Facebook page. We post uh, our episodes when they go live there. Uh, Again, if you, I mean, Instagram is really where we we put a lot of our content. Uh, We also have a Twitter. You can also email us at uh, playgameslosefriends at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you have any um, uh, you know, uh, feedback that you want to send our way or you disagree with something, it would be cool to you know, uh, talk through that. It uh, would be cool. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's our stuff. Cool. Well, we will see you guys hopefully in the next two weeks to talk some more games. Until then, enjoy yourselves, get some games in, and Happy New Year to everybody. Later. Later.